0: i'm lisa lloyd and i'd like to welcome you to the second series in my podcast beyond the water cooler in series one we explored what we mean by employee experience and so now we are ready to unpick the how to achieving that as a psychologist psychotherapist and business owner of it's time for change i meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra get people right get business right I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company, with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So today I'm joined by Maureen Robson-Norman, founder and CEO of YI. Hi Maureen. Hello. No matter how many times I say the name of your company, I can't help but adopt a really poor attempt at the accent. Can you ta- please reassure me that I'm not the only one who does that? Everybody does
1: it. Um, I think one of the reasons we called it YI was it's quite different. And um, most people who say it laugh when they see it as well. Yeah. And, um, and obviously our, our purpose really is to put the yay in every day. And if you can do that just by people saying your company name,
0: then you're achieving something already. <laughs> I love that. And you know what? That's actually on your LinkedIn, isn't it, about putting the yay into every day. But yep. when I read that, I was like, it's putting the yay into every day. And I was like, that's I'm not saying it quite right. I haven't quite got the accent nailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I also love the fact that even just that says a lot about you in terms of you want your name of your company to be something that fun and makes people smile and and laugh and that for me just says everything I need to know um, about who you are and how you approach life and at work.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean you know my view is you spend far too long at work not to enjoy it and you can deliver some really serious things with some you know really big global clients but there isn't any reason why you can't make it an enjoyable experience along the way and inject a bit of fun and inject a bit of colour um,
0: and hopefully that comes through in our in our website and our marketing materials as well. Yeah, definitely does. So Charlotte Wilson, um, who appeared recently on one of my podcast episodes, recommended you. And I quote, she is an excellent leader. And so it's only right that I invite you along to join me as a guest because I want to hear more about what it is that you're doing that is working so well. And I know from conversations that we've had already you and I are very aligned in our approach and I think it's really helpful for our listeners to understand a little bit of a different way of thinking about employee experience and engagement and how you've gone about that. So actually let's kick off then Maureen by hearing a little bit more about you, your role, your company.
1: Okay Um, so I'm Maureen Robson, I am the CEO of YI, Um, CEO for means Chief Engagement Officer, um, I find the term executive can be quite alienating for people. Um, and actually what, what my primary role is to make sure that all of, all of our you know, YI mob members, as we call them, are engaged mm. um, and you know, happy in what they do and happy in their work. So at YI, we are a business and technology consultancy company. We primarily partner with ServiceNow to help implement their enterprise um, product And we engage with large global clients to help them develop business cases, help them understand how they would roll out the product to enable the the positive change that they want to affect. Um, Some of that can be in the employee experience space. And um, then we will get our sleeves rolled up and help them actually get that rolled out, get people onboarded, engaged, communicate with them, train them up. Um, And and try and make it as an enjoyable experience as possible, because it can be quite a big change and change can make people nervous and very, um, you know, uncertainty doesn't necessarily sit well. We try and make it a positive change experience for people, whereby at the end of it, they actually... Aren't dealing with a lot of admin in their role, but they actually feel like their role is adding a lot more value to the company that they work with. Mm. Um, so we have a range of services that underpin that. We do digital transformation, we do HR transformation, um, but but effectively, it, it is about you know putting the year in every day for our customers and helping them achieve their outcomes, but also putting the year in every day for our YI colleagues to make sure that. are doing work that makes them feel fulfilled um, and makes them feel like they're adding value Mm.
0: i love that and i and i think it's really interesting how you talk about you know you mentioned change and um uncertainty and how when people are going through periods of change can feel uncomfortable and so your solution is about reducing that to making that feel simplest that people can engage but i think it's really interesting when a lot of people think about tech they think about that um just focusing on processes just about making things quicker (laughs) making things kind of much more streamlined so we can get a lot more done be much more productive and so on whereas i think your emphasis is much more on recognizing how people engage with that so how they feel and the fact that you mentioned the unser- how people experience uncertainty yeah says a lot because I think that's the crucial bit for me that a lot of people miss.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's really interesting. A lot of the clients we've worked with, we have achieved uh, amazing outcomes in very short spaces of time. And we, we regularly get asked the question, how you know, how did you manage that? Yeah. We really immerse ourselves in the, the people within our customers. And we engage with them on a regular basis. We spend a lot of time um, building relationships based on trust and, and mutual respect. Everybody's yeah. opinion is valid. And we, we spend a lot of time being very open, honest and transparent with, with you know, the, the individuals within our customers. So we will set up champions forums, et cetera. And we will be brutally honest as we're going through these programs. What's going well? What is isn't going so well? You know, where can they help us? Some people may be resistant to the change. We try and understand why that is. You know, every individual has a different story. They have a different experience behind them. And rather than jump to the conclusion that they're just trying to be a naysayer or, you know, stop the change from happening, we actually want to understand why they behave in that way, what it is that's driving that, and how we can help them reframe the change in their mind. Mm. Um, Now, that sounds like a lot, but if you do it on a champions forum of between 200 and 300 people and you're brutally open and honest and somebody sort of throws a stone at you and you catch the stone and you're like, "Okay, I get that. It's a really valid point. How do you think we can solve that? And you sort of give it back to them. Nine times out of 10, they'll then take ownership of it. Mm. And If they feel like they're owning something and actually driving a way forward and, and, and driving value.
0: it it tends to make them feel much better about the job that they're doing and that's true collaboration isn't it and I think that whole you know when we think about transformation trust has to be at the center of that and we have to be you know that whole environment has got to be based around psychological safety which is everything you've just been describing Um, and I think that's the bit that we tend to or we can often miss it can become too process driven rather than looking out for those stones and catching them actually expecting the stones to be thrown in the first place rather than expecting we've come up with a perfect solution this is going to be the answer to everything but saying we've come up with a solution tell me what's not working and being open and asking for that feedback and really hearing it really listening
1: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the the fear that individuals, we as individuals have, um, when somebody sees we've done something wrong, or we've made a mistake, or we think they're going to point out our flaws, naturally, as human beings, we're, we're designed to be very, um, very confrontational about that, or very... Um, Know resistant, Mm. I think, from from our perspective, and certainly from my perspective, behavior breeds behavior. We are all human, we Mm. will all make mistakes. Mm. And I think exposing yourself in terms of actually, you know, saying to people, it's okay to make a mistake, Mm. I make mistakes all the time, and actually view that mistake as a learning opportunity as opposed to giving somebody the ability to. Finger point, or you need to reframe it in your mind as to Uh, that mistake is a learning opportunity. uh, It's not giving somebody else an opportunity to point the finger, and if they do, then try and engage with them on why they've done that. But don't don't emulate their behaviour because that behaviour will then breed, and behaviour does breed behaviour. If you show people a different way of working and a different way of behaving. And then hopefully that behavior will breed, which is a much more positive experience than the negative one where people find themselves in in confrontational situations on an increasing basis, Mm. which doesn't doesn't really make anybody have any year in in their day. It probably makes them get to the end
0: of their day and think, my God, I hate my job. Yeah, exactly. And I I think it's really interesting, isn't it, about how people frame how they think about conflict and about whether conflict is always um, kind of negative construct is it something that we think about as we have to avoid it all costs because it's going to be confrontation or can we have positive conflict where I'm actually able to air my views and know that I feel safe to do so and then people will hear that and work with that and understand that I have a different perspective and yeah. look at negotiation and so on rather than that sense of conflict is confrontational. I have to be defensive. And when you were mentioning earlier about fear, you know, when people are afraid or uncertain, we naturally dig our feet in more because we want to stick with what's familiar and what's safe. So you're instantly building these barriers around people who are becoming more and more defensive, um, which is completely understandable. And when we we understand that, we can help people begin to step outside of those barriers. But that I think the, the whole for me the whole com- conversation around conflict and being able to have those good conversations is absolutely key and I think that's something as a particular skill that a lot of people just don't have the courage to do because they just think if I if I start this conversation I'm going to be bombarded by all the stuff and I won't know what to do or it's going to feel uncomfortable or yeah. people are naturally going to assume conflict is um is something just to walk away from and avoid at all costs how do, how do you kind of overcome that um
1: I think it takes one or two individuals to be brave um, Mm -hmm. and really sort of stick their head above the parapet, really. And and what we try to do when we go into work with customers is we are trying to demonstrate that we are brave individuals Mm -hmm. and how we go about that to to really encourage others. And I talk about tipping the balance within organisations and we will be very transparent and explicit about what constitutes collaborative behavior within Mm. a session or a a champions network and then we will reflect on um situations that have happened on a regular basis and really reflect on that and think okay you know the behaviors the collaborative behaviors we talked about at the beginning where did they fall down in that in that scenario where can we perhaps put some interventions in place so if we get into that scenario again they don't fall down Mm. Um, but it really does need individ- some individuals to be brave. Mm. And, and, it's, and it's, it just relates back to, to personal life. And it's a quote from Cinderella. I have two girls and, and hence that's where <laughs> it comes from. But, but there's a quote in Cinderella where um, the, the dad says, always be kind and always be brave. Mm -hmm. And I think those two things combined are really important. And that's kind of the mantra by which I live. That's the mantra that I hope my girls live by. I say it to them every morning before they walk out the door to school. Um, And it's the mantra by which we are, why I live in terms of, you never really understand what's going on in an individual's mind, in their background. You probably only know one-tenth of what has actually gone in and their experience, so be kind, mm. even though they're not necessarily being kind to you, mm. and also be brave enough to sort of put your hand up when you've made a mistake or you've done something wrong or, because that is the fastest way to getting to a point where you can either recover it, resolve <laughs> it, or accept that you're not going to be able to fix it, but learn from that and move on.
0: That's lovely. I love that kind of little mantra. Um, and it, and it's really a good example of your values that you live and breathe every single day and you reinforce every day. Um, I think it's really interesting when you were saying about how you'll ask people how they feel about something that's going on. And I think sometimes we forget to go back to that very basic first step of asking people, how do you feel about this? We, we yeah. assume or um, we don't even bother making the assumptions. We just don't give it any mind space at all. We just get on with the job. And when we ask people how they feel about, for example, speaking up, how they feel about someone suggesting something different to their idea, how do they feel about perhaps something not going according to plan. And when you start to unpick that and people can honestly say, I don't like it because or it feels like I'm being judged or it feels like and you can start having genuine conversations when you have that within a team you have such awesome conversations because people are like yeah that's how I feel that's how I feel and then everyone suddenly has this insight into how each other functions and why people might be a bit like oh I don't really like that Um, I think that's really quite powerful.
1: Yeah I think I think as well if I take it from my perspective if somebody is brutally honest with me and it might result in having quite a challenging conversation. Once we've got over that challenging conversation, I really appreciate the fact that they've been brutally honest with me. Mm. And that and that kind of deepens my respect and trust in that individual because I can I respect them for being brave enough to do it in the first place. But secondly, I also have a lot of trust that if I if I ever got into a situation where perhaps I wasn't behaving the way I should be, mm. um, they would they would instantly come and have a conversation with me to say, hang on a minute, you know, you need to think about, we all get so busy that Mm. we sometimes go into automatic pilot on things and can be very inconsiderate of others. So first of all, I try not to get out of capacity so that I don't become inconsiderate. But but as I said, we're all human and we Mm. all make mistakes and we all, you know, don't necessarily behave appropriately all of Mm. the time. So having people around you who you've got that level of trust and respect in is really important. Um, So so for me, those types of conversations build deeper relationships. Absolutely. um, Whereas um, not not necessarily superficial ones in in terms of, you know, if you're surrounded by people that you don't trust or don't respect, Mm. then you make your job so much more difficult Mm. uh,
0: day to day. And when you can recognise the the courage that people are showing in order to feedback and have those uncomfortable conversations with you. That is so empowering for them because I think it's people will naturally try to avoid any situation where they're going to feel uncomfortable. But let's face it, saying anything, um, saying something else that might come across as personal because I'm not agreeing with you for whatever reason, I'm just pointing out a mistake you've made or something like that. The person giving that information will often feel kind of discomfort mm-hmm. and the person receiving it will feel discomfort. So you immediately have two people engaging in something yeah. that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then if, and if you've already had a conversation about, we know these kinds of conversations don't feel easy, but we know that they're important to have, and we've kind of established a framework around how to have this conversation safely, yeah. then we can both say, I, I'm feeling really uncomfortable saying this. I know you're gonna feel really uncomfortable hearing this, but this is gonna help us move forward. And I think once you've got that, it's so, it's so empowering. It's so, it's absolutely wonderful to see in practice the the, the transformation that that makes in terms of people being able to communicate well and just achieve really great things in terms of outcomes that they're all aligned to rather than still on the surface agreeing, but underneath still kind of holding that resentment. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I know you once said that a learning organization is networked without egos. Now, I think that's a conversation that you might have said that in the last conversation we had. And I just love that quote, because I think it's a really good example of how we need to think about our roles and how we have to think about seniority and so on. And you opened this podcast episode today talking about the fact that a CEO for you stands for something different. And in your company, I love your um, about your team page and all the, the amazing titles that all your uh, the people have in terms of what their roles are about and, and how they're referred to. Mm-hmm. Um, lo- I'd like really to unpick that a little bit more now about how titles and roles can create that sense of, uh, they create assumptions, they create expectations, they mm-hmm. uh, give us a feeling about permission and so on. And, and that, can, that can undermine psychological safety. I'd like to just explore that a little bit with you now, because that would be that's something I think you're very proud of of what you're about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it stems from, you know, I spent 20 plus years working in large global corporations where there was a lot of structure, a lot of hierarchy as part of that, a lot of management mm. of people, mm. um, a lot of senior, junior Um you know these these words, this taxonomy, all drives can drive individuals to behave in a certain way. I.e., I am more senior than you, therefore what I say means more than what you say. Um, not a valid comment, but but that's certainly the way that the organisations drive individuals to believe how they should behave. And um, I think for me, when we started YI, um, I. Uh, my background is in HR and people, and, and I really wanted to test out the learning organization theory around actually a, 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 the most optimum organization is more of a network than a series of hierarchies. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have structure within mm. YI, we do. Structure is important to make people feel like they have support around them, mm. help people understand where they need to go for what. Mm. Uh, when they need that support or they need that knowledge or they need that guidance. But um, for me, it's much more of a network structure at YI. So we will have specialists and leads in certain things because they have a lot of experience in a particular area. Mm -hmm. Um, We will have, um, you know, apprentices and people who are just starting out on their learning journey in whatever their chosen line of work is. And really what we we seek to do is create an environment whereby it is clear where people can go to get support and specialist experience advice, um, but not an organisation or a structure that is based on hierarchies and management behaviours. So Mm. we don't talk about people management, we talk about people development. Mm. So what's really important for us is how individuals develop and learn as they go through their experience with yi but you know, setting them up beyond yi to to go out into another world another organization to continue their learning journey with the right mindset that it isn't about how much you earn it isn't about your title you know whether you're a vp or a vvp or a executive or whatever it is everybody is good at something and everybody is not so good at other things and I think it's about recognizing that people have more experience than others people are good at certain things than others there is a huge amount of neurodiversity amongst the human race Mm. and really I think for us it's about how we best leverage that to support delivery to our customers but also how we best leverage that to help the individuals who work with our company grow and progress um, in terms of their learning and their development.
0: Awesome. And what, what you're describing is that sense of self concept, isn't it, which we is developed through how we see ourselves and how other people see us. And as soon as we have that role, which is about hierarchy it automatically means it changes how we see ourselves compared to other people it automatically builds in that sense of comparison because I'm at this level you're only here Um, and I think it's when we flatten out that hierarchy surely that's got to be that's got to be useful in terms of developing a self-concept which is around my strengths and around my skills rather than a sense of status built on kind of false it's just they're they're terms we've just come up with in our company rather than actually being based on who you really are as an individual
1: yeah and I think I think for me it's it's just no one human being is better than one other human being right we're all different we all have differences um neurologically we all have differences physically um and we all have differences in terms of the experiences we've had what we've learned and we will all continue to be different from the experiences we will have and from what we will learn. Mm. And so I think there is definitely a need for structure in organisations so that it doesn't all fall apart when you get to a certain size because nobody yeah. knows yeah. where they're going or what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I think the, the, the language that is used in a lot of today's organisation does drive individuals to behave in a way that if they didn't necessarily have that title would they behave in that way or you yeah. know so so for me leadership is not management and there's a massive debate about oh, yeah but but what actually is leadership yeah um you know for me um at yi it's i have a responsibility to make sure that everybody that works within our organization understands Um, how they can be supported to develop and grow Mm. and how they can be supported in delivering to our customers Mm. Uh, the the language around support and development is very intentional Mm. Um, we tend not to use terminology like manage yeah Um, and it's just a it, it i don't think people realize the the behavior it then drives when you use certain language. And and to a lot of people it'll be it'll be an unconscious language use because they just don't think about it. It's just what they've been taught at university. It's just what they've been taught in in their courses, you know, on their management courses. And you know, I did my MBA well over 10 years ago now. And a lot of the terminology in that was very much around corporations Uh, and the terminology that they use. I think it's something that unconsciously people use and they don't realise the sort of um, behaviour that it drives or the sort of feelings it can make people feel. You know, we as human beings, we don't need to be managed. Yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Outside of the work environment, nobody should be managing yeah. you. You know, you're no, an adult agree. individual. Yeah. Um, and if you if you're an adult individual who requires support, yeah. then that's a
0: totally different concept to being managed if yeah you know. the use of language is so powerful isn't it yeah. i spend so much time talking um about how we phrase things how the the language we use um you know i also wear a hat one day a week of being a psychotherapist so i'm very aware of the language i use to enable change and to help people think differently to how they might normally think and i think that we tend to just as you say, unconsciously use language and fall into routines, fall into patterns, because that's how things have always been done. That's how things have always been talked about around here. And it's really interesting, the number of conversations I have with leaders or managers or whoever is shaping what happens in that company going forward about why are you doing that? Like, what is the kind of motivation behind that? Where does that come from? And people often don't know it's like well that's how we've always done it that's just that's just how it's done. But I think we're, we're then missing the point about well you've got to stand back and look at what value are you adding is that is that helpful is that getting in the way. And when we start to look at you know, one of the things you were just describing is the the social influence so when. um You know, we know as social beings, we conform to social rules. And therefore, if I come across someone who has a particular name in their title, I will behave in a particular way to that person, because that's what social psychology is about. And as soon as we can, as soon as we recognize that, and we recognize that just because someone takes on the identity of a manager, social Influence will often mean that they'll conform to what they think are the rules around being a manager, and therefore they will change their behavior to be more like a manager. And you think, well, what does a manager really look like? What are these rules? Where do they come from? And you start unpicking it. Or if you get someone who's new to a team, and they they might be really credible experience and confidence and so on in their last team, but they're new to a team. If they've got an authoritarian boss, it's like I have to be quite passive and quite quiet now. So you suddenly start adopting the behaviors. that you're expecting to be able to conform with the rules that you've made up or exist in this organization no one stops and questions those rules yeah 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 it is super interesting
1: yeah it it, it is really interesting and I think prior to having my two girls um when I when I worked for my second biggest corporation um that that was when it really hit home when I had the girls I was sort of like I went back from maternity the second time and I was a little bit like hang on a minute this can't be right well you know I had nine months off and I think that nine months off had given me the opportunity to really think differently Mm. and I'd gone back to work and thought why on earth
0: am I (laughs) what exactly am I doing (laughs) Um, but I think that gap is important isn't it and I think that is what something that has really changed or shifted ways of thinking since the pandemic because people have had a break whatever that might look like whether they've they had a break because they were furloughed, but they've had a break from the norm because they've been working from home more that, you know, everyone's practice or most people's practice has changed. And it's given people an opportunity to step back and say, why are we doing things like this? Mm -hmm. You know, is this, It it, does this work for me?
1: Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. I think one of the, it's really interesting. I started my career in in HR, um, which is human resource management yeah. <laughs> and if I reflect back now on you know I spent um 10 years in that profession and if I reflect back on why I moved out of that profession I felt very uncomfortable about the fact that we were calling individuals resources mm. um, you know and and that we were talking about managing those human resources um because actually you know once you view people as a resource collective, yeah. you're kind of losing sight of the fact that every single person in that pool of resource mm. that you're talking about is an individual. Mm. Um and and, and it, it just changes the way people think about you know um I'll do interviews and people say how many people have you got in the company and I'll say oh, we've got over 80 people and they're like oh my god how much you know what number do you do you want to get to and I'm like <laughs> It's kind of more about how many individuals, how many more individuals want to come and work with YI that want to adopt a certain way of working and the fit is right for them and us.
0: Mm.
1: And the the whole concept of and and I will I'll never have human resource management as a title within our organisation um, we have um, a people and culture lead
0: uh-huh. um,
1: who leads on things like developing developing up our learning pathways um. you know for, for individuals and every individual will have a different learning pathway and um, they focus very much on how do we maintain our culture as we grow um but but the concept of human resource management as a function within a business you know, It's quite alien to me now, Um, we just don't have that at all, really, in terms of, you know, maternity leave and that sort of thing. We have policies in place, we have, you know, the mechanisms by which individuals can register that and we will help them with the admin side of things but ultimately at the end of the day. Or, or or individuals don't need managed in respect mm-hmm. of their maternity they just need supported to make sure they've got everything in place so they can go off and have their child mm-hmm. um, in complete peace of mind that financially they're okay and nothing's going to change while they're away they can come back to the role they left um and you know it's quite an uncertain time isn't it for people when they're having a child especially their first one they don't really know what's coming mm-hmm. um so it's a it's a great experience, but also quite scary for people. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is to try and support them and make sure that they don't have to worry about anything else. They're not scared about anything else. They're not uncertain about anything else, because that is quite a big life-changing thing in its own right. But we don't need HR management to do that. That's a no that's a supporting an individual.
0: I mean, think a whole bit about HR is really. An interesting one because so many people well hr is one of those professions that seems to be going in two different directions you've got people who are very happy still doing this kind of transactional process bit and people who are wanting to drop the hr title because they still are associated with those traditional roles that that don't fit with them anymore mm-hmm. and again that kind of goes back to that sense of what we talked about earlier about social psychology about um how we tend to align ourselves more with people who are more like us. Mm-hmm. And we um, wanna spend more time with them and we kind of recognize their worth. And it, and we we almost build up the barriers to people who are in the other team. <laughs> and it's almost that in-group, out-group behavior. Mm-hmm. And we can have that going sort of vertically through a, a company. So, you know, you've got the seniors up there and we're, we're this group here, but you can also have that with HR, can't you? In terms of, if you've got HR on your title, depending on where you're working, they're the bad guys, or they're the guys who align themselves with the managers, and therefore their function is just to support the managers in terms of all the processes. They're not really about people. And that's a really good example of when you can get rid of that traditional HR function, and rather than having an HR team as such, you have individuals who specialize in helping people Work out whatever they need to focus on, whether it's how to be okay when I'm on mat leave or yeah. um, how I work out what annual leave I've got. How I just what it doesn't yeah. matter what the issue is, but it's about I'm an individual with this particular need right now. I need to go and speak to another individual who I know can help me and whose best interests are yeah. for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah,
0: yeah. So when we in your company around you have structure but you don't have your hierarchy do you have do you still have that sense of authority so so you haven't got senior people but do you still have people who have more of a sense of authority or have you managed to get around that by focusing more on it's not about uh having more authority or more say it's just about I might have more experience
1: it's much more about the experience. So we have we have individuals within our organisation who have a lot of experience in their particular field. So, you know, we've got uh, um, two specialists in the field of business change and adoption, which is around the communications, the engagement, and they have a lot of experience of applying that in a ServiceNow implementation world.
0: Mm.
1: So, the the sort of pods that work within that business change and adoption area would will naturally if they are stuck on something if they have a challenge if they need some input, they will naturally gear towards that one of those two specialist individuals because they have more experience in that field.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And there may be individuals within our organization who have a lot of experience with a particular client so we have a client that we've worked with now for two and a half years and as as per learning and development for individuals we will regularly rotate individuals in and out of accounts because it's good for their learning and their growth and it's good for their development and it also stops them from getting overly bored in in one particular client and um, so those individuals were, are, are a natural go-to for other individuals who have less experience in the account mm. so it's very much based on it's not based on I am more senior than you because we don't have the concept of senior and junior. Mm. We have the concept of experienced and less experienced in particular areas. But that applies to everybody. So I'm very experienced in a number of areas. I'm less experienced in the platform and understanding it at a granular level. Um, So that applies to everybody. And I think when we bring individuals in, when we onboard individuals into YI, As part of their um, onboarding, they are assigned a buddy, um, and that buddy lives with them for six weeks—not not not physically, but (laughs) in my eye—they are they buddy them for six weeks. They help them navigate their way around um, our systems and processes. They help them navigate their way around people in the organisation and who's had what experience, um, and after those six weeks, the individual themselves can then choose who they want to be their personal development mentor based on who they've met, what they've seen. If after six weeks they're not ready, they can make it go a bit longer. Um, And um, the idea behind that really is that individuals can choose someone else within the organisation who they have respect for or believe have more experience than them that they can learn from that they would like to mentor them throughout their YI journey. And that can change throughout their YI journey if they want to move service area, if they want to, you know, dip their toe into the product a bit more as opposed to the business change side of things, then we try and facilitate that. Um, but it is much more based on experience and um, from a customer and a product and a expertise perspective, as opposed to the concept of somebody Having more seniority, uh, that isn't really a thing.
0: I love that choice that you're giving people because so often, too often, people just get assigned that person. If, if they get assigned anyone at all, uh, yes. often it's just their manager telling them what to do. But if they they will often have someone who is deemed more um, has has a different sense of status in terms of they they're the people who know it all around here and they're just going to tell you how to do everything. But again, I think that the worry with that is you end up falling into that trap of um, needing to almost obey that person and kind of fall into that that sense of identity of I just need to behave in a way that's expected to fit in around here, and this person's going to tell me how to do it. So you you those individuals then lose their sense of individual responsibility, their yeah. accountability because they say they. It's very easy then to pass the, the buck to, well, this is about my mentor, this is my manager, or this is about someone else, rather than this is about me. So giving that person the autonomy to choose who they want to mentor them is so powerful.
1: Yeah, and, and it's really interesting, right? What One of the things I've learned over the last two, two and a half years is... um We have a lot of people who've joined YI who have come from big corporations or have come from organizations where hierarchy is a thing, management is a thing. In most organizations, it is a thing. And I don't think I had appreciated how difficult it would be for individuals to make the transition from Mm. that style of working Mm. into the style of working we have here at YI. Um, The recruitment process is very important for us. We've lost one person has left us in the past two and a half years. Mm. And that broke my heart because it meant we didn't. We obviously didn't get the process right. But the majority of people, well, everybody who joins us, I have an end of week one catch up with to see how was week one? How was your onboarding? How is it feeling for you? Um, and every single time the response is, it's really weird because everything that was said at interview or at the discussion pre-joining is actually how it is mm-hmm. they say that previous companies they've gone to work for lots of things were said at interview and then they joined and it wasn't anywhere near what was described at interview um so it's it's really interesting but we have had individuals who've been with us like three four five weeks and they are still struggling to adapt to you know they're looking to be managed mm. they're looking for that um Tick. Yes, somebody with more seniority than me has said that's okay. They're looking for permission, mm. and it's really interesting when you get into conversations with people um, around where well, you don't need permission. That isn't how we work around here. Um, you know, we're not going to manage you. You are an adult human being, and you chose to come and join us on the knowledge that this is how we operate. And so I I think I underestimated the the, the challenge people would have in actually moving from a very traditional, hierarchical way of working into the way that we work here at YI. It's um, it's probably one of my biggest lessons over the last two and a half years is people can really
0: struggle with it. Um, And it it can make people feel very uncomfortable initially. And I think it's it's something that takes them quite a lot of time with that individual just to help them gain that confidence, isn't it? Because It reminds me of a um, a client I recently started working with uh, an individual who has she she's struggling to um, be autonomous and to just take control because she her whole background has been where she's been told what to do from her. um, The particular school she went to where it was all about you just got past your exams and we're going to tell you everything you need to do. You just need to tick the boxes and you'll pass. So she did Um, And then going into um, her roles and has been very much told, if you do it like this, you'll succeed. And then and that's how she's how she's operated. And that kind of worked for her. And now she's in a different environment where she's having to think a bit more for herself. Slightly different context to yours. But she's like, I don't know how to plan. I don't know how to plan my time. I don't know how to. If I've just given this kind of very vague brief on something, how do I go about pulling in the right people? How do I go about thinking about it? And people lose that ability to think for themselves, to become almost robots within a, an organisation. And, and that's quite scary, isn't it? Because for a company to be creative and in, innovative and you know, to be kind of grasping the opportunities and, and trying them out, experimenting and so on, you've got to have people thinking for themselves. But that's... So how, so how have you gone around helping those individuals sort of come you know work with that challenge and and get used to the to the way of working with you
1: um so (laughs) we as an organization um I mean there's a number of different techniques that that individuals have used but interestingly um we've tried not to be overly prescriptive Mm -hmm. about how we how we um how we might help someone work mm. through that and yeah. um, because part of the experience of working through it themselves gets them to the point where they're like oh hang on a minute I've got this now it, um, uh, as as individuals join our organization and um, they have the ability to set up special interest groups within the organization and um, if it's something that they're particularly interested in and they've Identified other like-minded individuals within the organisation um, who are also interested in it. They'll set up a special interest group. They'll meet however often they determine, um, just to discuss and talk through. Mm. Um, and there's there's one um, special interest group that's been set up, which is about neurodiversity. It isn't something that we've prescribed. It's not something we said we have to have, you know, our or YIs have decided, or a collection of our YIs have decided they want to have regular discussions around neurodiversity and what that actually means. And as part of that, they have been talking about people's experiences that they joined YI and. And and what the differences are in people's experiences and why some people might have struggled more than others, being very open and honest and candid about their own experiences, Mm -hmm. and you know what worked well for them what didn't work well for them, and and that's actually helping us to give more consideration to things like our communications and engagement channels. some people work better first thing in the morning Mm. and some people after five o'clock at night just can't function in a Mm. work capacity that Mm. is me I am a five in five a.m in the morning I've got it 5 p.m I'm done you'll (laughs) not get much sense out out of me after five o'clock in a work context some people function better in the evenings and are not great in the mornings some people learn better or engage better through reading mm. and processing that way. Some people learn better through engagement and mm. listening with us. Mm. Some people struggle to process people speaking mm. or and learn in a very different dynamic manner. Mm. So we, we are taking the feed out from that group and saying, right, how can we adapt our communications and engagement channels to make sure we're accommodating as many of those neurodiversity points as we possibly can mm. um, to, to help people make the best of their day mm. um, and make sure that messages are landing around where we're headed as a company, what their input to that is? Where where can they help? Where where you know what are options available to them, etc. Um, things like we're changing the pension scheme at the moment. We're doing that because we found a much more efficient way for our individuals, whereby they'll get you know a better a better outcome at the end of it. Mm. But the way in which we're communicating that is across a diverse range of channels at very varying times of day to try and accommodate that that neurodiversity um, mm. group that have identified these, these different things. So it isn't a one size fits all and it isn't something that we're prescribing. You know, when people join, they have to go down this route to culturally be indoctrinated right. to YI. Individuals bring part of YI with them.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Because, you know, they have something that we saw in them and we believe they would be the right fit in terms of we're a massive jigsaw puzzle with lots of bits missing Mm. and they are potentially another part of that jigsaw um, in terms of what they bring with them
0: I just I love your whole approach to all this And, and and I think what comes across really clearly is the huge investment you put into that personal approach so rather than you know, it's very easy, isn't it, for a, uh, an organization just to kind of create a standard checklist or a standard procedure, and you know, if you all go through this, you'll you know come out the other end and you'll know how we do things around here. I'm so anti that I I'm really um, not a fan of kind of tick the box or just standard processes because we are also individual. You have to um, you know I don't have standard packages to go and offer to companies because I just don't work in that way, and I think you Know the, the amount of time and effort you'll be putting in to those individuals to make it right for them to work out what where they're at and what they need and to support them with their own journey um must pay huge dividends. So you what would you say to other leaders who are sitting listening to this thinking that's all very well, but I haven't got time to do all that.
1: Mm. I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, you can either invest the time to operate in a different way or you can invest the time to deal with the additional recruitment you have to do because your attrition rates stop going up or you can invest the time in recovering situations that have gone badly wrong mm. as a consequence of not treating individuals as individuals. Mm-hmm. So... Time will always be required, whether it's on the plus or the minus side mm. is entirely down to individuals. But for me, I um, my job satisfaction comes from um, getting up in the morning and seeing comments in our group chat where individuals are saying that, um, you know, they had a really bad experience in the past with a client in another company and it was treated in such a way that it made them feel even worse about it than they already did because they knew they'd got it wrong Mm. who they had a bad experience or they made a mistake on a client with yi and actually we helped to make them feel better because Mm. of the way we approached what had happened and this additional support that we gave them Mm. things also like you know, we have individuals who suffer quite badly with autism Mm -hmm. and um, they as individuals have a lot of um, low confidence. This particular individual had a lot of low confidence. When somebody like that comes up to you at a face-to-face team event and says, working at YI has fundamentally changed my life outside of work because I have so much more confidence and I find that my autism isn't as bad. Mm. I don't know a leader in the world who wouldn't think that was the best day of their life.
0: Yeah, And it,
1: and it genuinely was the best day of my life. Yeah. And I even get goosebumps now and well yeah. up of thinking about it because, um, the individual in question is an amazing individual at what they do and have so much value to bring to an organization. But in previous organizations, I don't think they would have brought anywhere near the amount of value they brought to YI because they weren't treated as an individual and giving the support that they needed. Mm. Uh, and, and, and if your work life's not right, your home life won't be right. Of course. If your home life isn't right, your work life won't be right. There's quite a big correlation between the two. Mm. And so for me, you know, that that one moment alone where that individual came and had a conversation with me about why the way in which they work at YI has fundamentally changed how they experience life. It was, I mean, if nothing else, that's the, you know, the YI has been totally worth it just for yes. that one.
0: That's such an awesome story to hear. And I think, um, yeah, I think that has to be like the best story I've heard in terms of personal difference it, it makes. Um, Cause often people talk about, you know, we're obviously much more successful and you know, recruitment and retention and so on. But actually that is, it does give you goosebumps. I love hearing that.
1: Yeah. And and you know, another example, a guy who before he joined us used to suffer quite badly with eczema, um, which was stress related. Mm. Um, two three weeks after joining us, his eczema started to clear up and it has completely gone now. Wow, uh, you know those sorts of things. They are they are fundamental, but that that is the ultimate value for me as a leader to hear yeah. that
0: from an individual. Because you're uh, meeting individual needs, you're looking at people as unique individuals who we all have the needs for achievement and the sense of status, whatever that looks like, and so on. But you're understanding what is really going on for individuals and making sure that you're providing the right culture for people to go and. Not experience stress and to be able to use their strengths and reduce the anxieties and and that's that can only have a good impact, a good outcome on those individuals, which of course is then going to feed into their team and their you know the whole company. Um, that's yeah. I so so what I'm this is the last question I wanted to ask you. Then so those so you've kind of painted a really good story of of why this is really important if there is someone listening now thinking, okay, we are quite traditional. There's a fair chance most organizations do have that sense of hierarchy and roles um, with quite traditional labels and so on. What would be a really good starting point? Because obviously you set up your company very much around these very yeah. key principles in terms of a company transforming from where they are now to becoming more like, yours in terms of flattening out that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. What would be, have you got another piece of advice that'd be a really good first step to start thinking about that process?
1: Yeah, I think um I think sort of myth busting some of those those barriers. So you know for me a good way would be maybe to set up a, a network um that meets on a regular basis. And that could be depending on the size of the company but if you have advocates within the organization who are quite keen on on you know maybe busting some of those myths and trying to build those um channels of trust and respect um it may well be that there is a perception in an organization that if you are a senior manager then this is you know, this is your job and and this is how people perceive you. Mm. I would maybe focus on that network, actually looking at, right, what are the perceptions? What's the reality? Mm. And and how do we become much more open and transparent about what we are trying to achieve, what we're not, and what we're not trying to to Mm -hmm. enforce through these roles? It's just a title at the end of the day. And maybe get some of the individuals in those roles to actually talk a little bit more about themselves as human beings mm. and what their interests are and, you know, how they would like to work. Um, Cause at the end of the day, it all starts and ends with people. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, if you have particular individuals in your organization who you think would be open to that, mm. I think no matter what role they're in, um, a willingness to be brave and be open about how they feel about working for the company and how they might like to see it change going forward mm. And making them feel, making other people feel like they can make a valid contribution, would be a really good place to start.
0: That is brilliant advice and very, uh, very tangible. Is that, that sense of actually yeah, I could go away and start having that conversation. Um, I and I love what you touched on there about the personal stories. I've I've done that recently with um uh, a number of a, a company who's got a number of different teams, and they have they have managers and uh, and and so on. So they have the kind of more traditional model but everyone had to uh share very briefly with the whole team a personal story about um a, a challenge that of in their life growing up and something that someone else doesn't know about them and it just immediately all those roles all the barriers all those expectations yeah. dropped out of the room and everyone's like oh you are that person as an individual I can really connect with you and I really have empathy for you and I now understand why you behave like that in that situation um so that all that those conversations are so so important Maureen I'm so grateful for your time today you are one incredibly inspiring woman you are an excellent leader so um, thank you very much Charlotte for putting me in touch with you if people wanted to get in touch with you Maureen to find out more just to kind of um pick up on any, any of the points you made today can they do that and if so what's the best way of them getting in touch
1: yeah, I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So uh, Maureen Robson-Norman on LinkedIn. Um, you could also access me via our YI website, which is YI Limited. That's ltd.com. Um,
0: yeah, those are probably the two key channels through um, which you could get in touch. Brilliant. And we will put those details in the show notes as well. Maureen, I'm very, very grateful. I've loved today. Thank you so very much. And um, we'll stay in touch. Thank you thank you for joining me today on beyond the water cooler if you love it i would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast and if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode if something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk my details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new, interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast, So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.